0: Hello and welcome to another podcast The Father and Joe. I'm here with Father Boniface Hicks and my name is Joe Ronke. And we're here continuing a conversation which the end goal is for you guys, the listeners, to be developing a closer relationship here with God. And one of the things that we talked about the last couple of times and you pointed out, Father, was that I bring up the whole part about being judged at the end a lot and kind of why do we do that? What's, what's going on there? So, for right or wrong, this is this is kind of how I'm wired and thinking about it, thinking it through in preparation for this cast was... I've obviously been in a future home before. You know, you have that natural, you know, this is the end type moment. And, you know, there's that natural question as you're going through the grieving, especially if it's, someone that you're there to support your friend and you didn't necessarily know the direct relationship with the person who passed like if you go to one of your friend's grandparents funerals for example i might never met his grandma but i know him so when you're there it's a little bit different than when it's someone who's directly close to you if that makes sense at all um but these thoughts had come into my mind and and specifically recently I was at a at a funeral home just last week and you know what ultimately does happen and are you doing this right? because for better or worse, in my random everyday events, I get these little blippets, um, normally visual included in your memory of mistakes sometimes from very long ago, sometimes for not very recently. Ironically, very few of them ever seem to be about work, but they're just general life mistakes. And, you know, they they just kind of sit in there, and then they, they, they poke and stab, and then they just flee right away as quickly as they come. But overall, there's this impression of, you know, are you doing it right? So I think that that's kind of my starting point of why I ask a bunch about the judgment, because... You know, everywhere in life you see, hey, you know, you're doing it wrong. Normally it's associated with by this thing because you're doing this wrong. Um, but it's it's much more common in life to hear no, no, no rather than maybe this is going the right way. And by no means that me asking for you to tell me I'm doing stuff right. It's just to know more so the lay of the land and, and actually being able to be it. Almost like a almost like a syllabus in a sense, where if you do this, this and this, it'll be there and as you mentioned in one of our prior podcasts, that's a very masculine way of thinking that you just want the roadmap and we'll make it happen type deal. And and I get that that's probably not the perfect way of life and, and probably part of the questions before were to be able to figure out how to make a roadmap myself. Which I'm sure I'm not the only person out there who has that at least that part of the uh, the mindset coming into this so with that being said that's kind of the starting point of where that was coming from and trying to figure out what the uh, what the best route to, to move forward with it is
1: well thanks for sharing that Joe I think that's uh, yeah, beautiful to hear, hear about your personal journey and where that question is coming from and, and why we return to that And uh, as I think I mentioned previously, we're we're specializing in talking about your life at this point because the kinds of steps that are important for you to take are not necessarily universal. Mm -hmm. And that's rooted in the fact that each one of us has particular gifts and talents. Each one of us is made to be A member of the body of Christ. Not everyone is a hand. Not everyone is a foot. Not everyone is an eye. Not everyone is an ear. As St. Paul describes it, we have different gifts. We have different vocations. And so there is something that's unique in how we live that out. In a related way, each one of us has a unique relationship with God. God's relationship with you, Joe, is not the same as his relationship with me or anyone else. Now, it's not a different God it's not a completely different relationship in that one is unrecognizable from another mm-hmm. but there's a unique quality to it like we have in all of our relationships your relationship with your girlfriend is not the same as her relationship with her mother yeah. they're different relationships and yet of course she's the same woman uh, in in both cases but the relationships draw at different parts of us so it's it's important to recognize the uniqueness in that and. That's the the universal answer to your question, which is uh, uh, probably unsatisfyingly vague in one sense, is how do you want to grow in life? How do you want to be free of guilt? How do you want to grow in love? Well, deepen your relationship with God. (laughs) That's the universal answer. Each one of us needs to do that, Mm -hmm. and we do that through prayer a dedicated time of prayer. There's no substitute for that we do that through the sacraments going to mass going to confession it's a tremendous gift to have those and then we do that by trying to live out the commandment to love God that happened already through our prayer through our worship and to love our neighbor and the way that we do that is going to be different in each setting a mother loving her children as we talked about in our last podcast, Mm -hmm. is a tremendous way of living out that commandment of love. She's carrying out the corporal works of mercy for her children. For you, Joe, the ways that you live out, uh, putting up houses, showing houses, selling houses, working with buyers, working with sellers, all of those relationships, as well as the other personal relationships in terms of your your girlfriend, your parents, your your family... All all the way that we live out these relationships All has to do with moving forward In our Christian faith I always come back to A little quote From Pope Benedict XVI From before he was Pope As Cardinal Ratzinger, he said We don't see God In an entirely External way The same way that we would see an apple tree Or a neon sign Mm -hmm. We only see him with an interior commitment and we see him more clearly as we become more like him and what that means is that first of all we can't just measure him with scientific instruments things don't see God telescopes and microscopes and whatever don't see God only human beings see God because it also engages the heart we need that interior commitment, that act of faith and it means that we come to see him more clearly as we become more like him. So as we try to live as he lived, then we start to understand him a little bit more from the inside, and we start to see how he, how he loves us, how he's close to us. And just a simple example of that that I often have the opportunity to repeat. So many mothers, if I can return to that, love their children so much so much I mean they just without thinking about it would give everything for these tiny little infants or for little children even when their children become adult children they have the same heart to just give everything to think to put that child first with so much attention so much focus and I have occasion to say to them you know God loves you like that and as they become more like God they're able to understand from the inside more of what God is like and then they can come to see oh he pays attention to me like that oh he would sacrifice for me like that he is involved in my life and wants the best for me like that yeah that's exactly right and so that's how we come to see him more clearly now to go back to the question how do we live better deepen our relationship with God by deepening our relationship with God learning how he lives learning how to live more like him as that is uniquely lived out in each of our unique individual lives as we do that we actually stop worrying about the last judgment and we start worrying about how can I love more fully in this moment how can I live with God and cooperate with him do more with him more fully in this moment
0: yeah take care of today and tomorrow won't be an issue type deal (laughs) to quote Jesus yes that I, I wasn't trying to quote well, I was just saying the first thing that came up on my mind there. So, um, fair enough. So yeah, so, I didn't realize I was quoting Jesus there. Um, so, I, I guess one of the, the, the questions there is, is we're continually trying to grow closer, is when I think of those elements of things that just pop in my mind, they typically tend to be fueled by emotion more so than anything else. And I know that we discussed before that there's times in the Bible where Jesus get mad, tax collectors and looked out their tables, kick them out. And, you know, they also talk about times when Jesus is happy, like at the wedding, when he did his first miracle and, and started bringing, um, you know, wine from the water. So one of the things that, you know, we're always told in the beginning is that Jesus didn't have original sin and that Jesus is God. And we know that all of the pain and attributes that people from the outside brought upon him, most obviously, you know, the road to Calvary and the judgment, but along other phases along the way. And I guess where my question is, is that's outside pressures upon him, and there's nothing he could do about that. And... Since is not written from the first person in any of the bibles we never know truly what his internal thoughts were but did were there moments where you know he himself was was messing up and having thoughts of I should have done this differently and all of that and I think that that's somewhere where the question of you know the divinity of it makes makes that question at least seem like it makes sense
1: whether Jesus uh, ever messed up or had had uh, uh, second thoughts or, or self-doubt
0: yeah yeah
1: um, well it's kind of an interesting question one simple point that's worth stating it's worth plugging away in our minds and hearts is that Jesus was truly God and truly man mm-hmm and our temptation is to push that in one direction or the other too much and that always leads to heresy we always go astray when we make him only man or only god and uh... when we reduce his divinity or reduce his humanity at the same time it's very hard for us to hold that intention. so we also know from the letter to the hebrews he never sinned he was tempted in every way but never sinned. So he never, uh, he ne- his will never chose the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Now, whether he was tempted with self-doubt, I guess if he was tempted in every way, he could also be tempted with self-doubt. Um, in some way, that's the, the temptations in the desert. What we see from Satan are that you're making the wrong choice You should have eaten something. You should have just ruled over the whole world. You should just uh, call on God to do everything for you. I mean, the temptations from Satan seem to have that temptation of of self-doubt, of of second-guessing in them. We might see that in a different way in the agony in the garden. Jesus says, Father, let this cup pass from me. He feels that. Mm -hmm. But he can also say, Not my will, but thy will be done. So we get some of that human preference being expressed. So we certainly encounter the weakness of Jesus because he was truly man, and so he could be weak like we are. Uh, and again, tempted to self-doubt, tempted to second-guess. That would seem so. That would. That again would be somewhat a part of our humanity. Although it's hard to say what's a part of our humanity and what's a part of our fallen humanity. That's uh. Mm-hmm. A distinction that we have to make we have certain problems we're attracted to things that are bad and that's called concupiscence that means we have disordered desires and that's because we're subject to original sin and also because we've exacerbated that through our own sin we know that in a simple way I know I shouldn't have that Coke but it tastes so good you know I, uh, I know that I shouldn't smoke that cigarette but I just feel so much better afterward I know you know, so we have disordered desires now Jesus didn't have disordered desires he wasn't attracted he wasn't actually drawn to the kinds of things that are bad for him that are evil um, our lady was the same way with, because of her immaculate conception but, um, but he was tempted certainly the, the enemy tempted him and he wouldn't have experienced that in, merely as an external thing that temptation, his temptation like our temptation would be an internal thing and again, when we start getting into the internal state of Jesus it's uh, there's more that we don't know than that we know so it's always a little dangerous to explore there but um, but anyway, I'm not sure if I've touched on your question or maybe you can elaborate in a way that can help me to say something useful. but you did
0: and you actually spawned a, a further thought of there uh, with what you were saying about essentially what is good and what is bad you know, just looking at it, what was? I'm you know, just looking at the eggs. You know, five years ago, eggs were the worst things ever. Now, eggs are the healthiest thing for you. Now, eggs are bad for you, and ten years from now, they're going to be good for you again. So, you know, I get <laughs> the that. Fickleness that's a, of modern science. Yes, I, I get that. That's a silly analogy. Um, but that being said, it's far from the only thing in life that has this pendulum of from good to bad. You know, I mean, obviously there's some absolutes, you know, life is important, fight for it. But we have different thought processes through all kinds of things that that shift with time. And how do we know where we should push it towards? Where we should push it in a completely new direction, if it should go where it used to be, or the direction it might be going... And I get that that's a very broad question because it's kind of a all-encompassing type thing, but, you know, at the end of the day, just to take a, a conversation I had yesterday, at the end of the day, are we better off building a structure where everyone is forced to give money to someone who then will then figure out how to redistribute it theoretically in the greater good of everyone, or are we better off holding our money ourselves, and we choosing how to give it to to someone directly, which might not get to everyone, but it will get to someone that we can tangibly see and or feel. Now, if everyone does that, overall, the same amount of people should be helped. Maybe even more people will be helped because you're more directly involved. But that's two different sides of a question that, you know, for lack of a better thing, governments have been trying to figure out since well before Jesus ever came around and we've seen virtually every step along that spectrum someone choosing it and some of them working out better than others but you know like that's a thing you know some people say it's good or bad to be on either side of there where you know where where does that come from you know where where should we put our efforts into to be able to, to make basically here on earth, more like heaven if that's even possible these are great questions Joe uh,
1: and and I think it's really valuable I, the first thing that I heard you say was um, how do I what's the best decision in, in general and I know how fickle the world around me is and how this thing is good now and it's bad later how do I make the best decisions well, one of the one of the nice things is I'm going to come back to that same vague response that's probably frustrating. Uh, do what God wants you to do now how do we know what God wants us to do? well ultimately we're we're bound to our conscience that's a very valuable word and something to think about our conscience. Our conscience is that place within us where we hear God now that's a mixture of my own formation or lack of formation and the actual voice of God but the best I can do in hearing God is what I hear in my conscience now I might be ill formed, I might have psychological wounds, I might have misinformation, I might have a lot of things that cloud that space but in the end I'm going to be judged on how well I listened to God in my conscience and so uh, in the case of eggs, for example, the best I understood was that eggs were good for me, and so I ate eggs. And now my, I have high cholesterol, and I'm going to die of a heart attack, and I'm going to leave my children and my family and whatever else. God holds me bound. So we do the best we can with what we have, and that suffices. God will only judge us based on doing our best according to our conscience. Now, we're obligated to do things like inform our conscience. I mean, we need to take in whatever scientific studies, whatever moral analyses, whatever uh, information and wisdom we can to form our conscience so that we can hear God more clearly in that interior space, in that space within us. And we need to take the time in prayer to come to know the voice of God better so that he can speak more clearly into our hearts, into our lives. Well on that note, you
0: know, I just taking taking something that's going on around here a lot, you know, we if we're I'm in western Pennsylvania and one of the things that that are going on here is we're having a lot of natural gas wells being made. And we're having, depending upon what T V channel you turn on, that this is the greatest idea ever it's going to help the economy boom 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 or option two this is destroying the entire planet everyone's going to die of poison water so you know they both can't be right (laughs) and if you dive more into it doing research each, each of them essentially are having propaganda campaigns to fuel whichever side of the debate they're on by who they're funded by so one of the byproducts of everyone having an internet connected device is that in theory everyone can say something despite the fact it might not have any basis behind it how do we how do we learn how to filter out and more importantly how to either just internally disregard it or confront something where we know or feel consciously that it's off based upon what you just told us, that based upon eternal development, each of our consciences might be saying something different. You might have someone that says, you know, consciously, there's a 0.1% chance the water could get affected, and therefore the ecosystem and humanity in this area will be ruined. And then you also have the people that say, I see that, but I also intellectually understand that. If people have more money, they're going to go and buy more stuff, so now the store owner is going to have more money, he's going to buy more employees, blah, 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 and that's how economies grow. Not to do a big ordeal on that. So both of them are coming from a standpoint that they think that they're right, and how do we know how to judge it and essentially which values to, to put over it without the generic answer of what would Jesus tell us to do? Because both of those people think that Jesus is telling them they're right. Well, I would question that. Okay.
1: Whether both of those people really believe that Jesus is telling them to do that. I you you even use the uh the phrase that they're both supporting their own agendas, they have propaganda campaigns, and they both have a lot of financial gain mm-hmm. to uh secure through this. Now, I wonder if they're really listening to their consciences when they're manipulating, lying, putting forth half information and doing whatever they can for their own financial gain. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I question that. Now, I'm not the judge. I'm not the judge, and so all I can do is question that. I can't make a judgment. But uh, I wonder if they're really listening to their conscience. However, uh, there are situations, and I think the one that you gave, the previous example that you gave, well, the one that you just gave is also good, but if I can return to the previous example Mm -hmm. for a moment, do you have uh, a structure in which people are forced to give a certain amount of money and then uh, an organization distributes that to wherever there's need or does everybody give freely locally and then we hope that that propagates? And You're very right that there's no kind of perfect answer for that. That's again one of these situations that it's going to be different in different places. It's going to be different depending on who's the one distributing the funds at the top level. Mm -hmm. but some things that are universal are some principles and this is where Catholic social teaching is a huge blessing for us it gathers together some really important principles and that goes back to my earlier point about forming our consciences we need to be aware of these kinds of principles we need to form our consciences according to these universal principles and then we're going to be best able to apply them in a particular situation the four main principles of Catholic social teaching are first of all the dignity of the human person Mm -hmm. and part of that is also the importance of freedom there's a value to freedom being able to freely give my money rather than having it taken from me so there's a principle in there It's not absolute that we have to have a free choice certainly taxes are are permissible but anyway that principle there's another principle of solidarity that we are called we are all part of a human family everybody is my brother and sister We have to cultivate that principle of solidarity. Another principle is subsidiarity, that the things that can be done at a local level, as much as possible, should be done at the local level. We shouldn't abstract from the local level unless we have to. So principle of subsidiarity. And the last principle, it's always terrible when you uh, bring these things out. Subsidiarity, solidarity, dignity of the human person, and and another one just gonna have to come back to me later anyway um, by forming ourselves according to these principles we form our consciences and oh and the common good the uh, the importance of the common good That that we all have a responsibility for this common good now that comes into the other question about drilling or not drilling mm-hmm. are those people who are drilling really concerned with the common good are they really exercising the principle of solidarity caring for their brothers and sisters and not just supporting their own financial interests. Um, are those who are maybe giving misinformation about the certainty that this is going to corrupt the the water or whatever, are they really living out solidarity in recognizing the jobs and things that are there? So there's no clear answer to that, mm-hmm. but these are all principles that help to form our consciences, that help us to hear the Lord more clearly, and then we have to be aware of those things that, like financial gain and greed and uh, the temptation to lie and manipulate, all of these things, we've got to be honest with ourselves in that. And we've got to purify those
0: tendencies from our hearts. Well, off of that question, is... I mean, I get that lying is bad, obviously, but is financial gain inherently a problem? Um, from, from everything you just said, um, is it? Well, financial gain at the expense of
1: the human person is a problem. Okay. So it's the it's the price that we're willing to pay To get more And if I don't care about the destruction of the common good If I don't care about the destruction of the human person And I only care Above all about my own bank account Yeah, that's a problem um, Financial gain Making money Is not inherently a problem And money is not inherently evil Although scripture does say it's the root of all evil We tend to get in these situations Because we're fighting over money or worshiping money to one degree or another, and, and, but and that makes sense.
0: So, but but as I just look at this within my own company, I mean, there are people I pay more than others because they have a different set of skills. And yes, some of it is just pure capitalism. It's harder to find someone who's really good at this compared to that. So therefore, I got to pay him more so he stays with me. Um, and you know, we can always find someone else who will help. know just physically move stuff around the site but to find someone who's really good at finishing work or a really good tiler or, or, or electrician those are a set of skills that are harder to acquire and they take more effort and we compensate them more for that just to make sure you're not telling me i should essentially be giving everyone the same amount because a i think that would make them very upset um but b that you know i think that you know in my head, I always felt like that was the right way to do it. A, there's a little bit of capitalism. I have to do it that way. But B, there's a certain recognition. These guys got more skills than the other ones. They should be taken home more at the end of the day. Well, that opens up a whole interesting set of
1: questions. Um, the capitalist system is is one option that's not certainly not inherently immoral. Um and so the fact that there's a certain asking price and there's principles of supply and demand you know you've got to live according to those, those kinds of things but there's, a, there's a, another assumption that you're making which is not inherent and that is that wages and work have anything to do with each other okay. so there's actually no inherent connection between wages and work But
0: there are other principles about catholic social teaching we can go into Well, Father, this particular cast has gone in a couple of different directions based upon kind of where our head's at, where this conversation is. We will continue this conversation in our next cast next week. I thank everyone for listening to us here today. And please, we grow by word of mouth, so please continue to let other people around you know about it. Please subscribe to the cast, and we look forward to talking with you next week.